You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning. Pick out your scripture. Let's head to the book of Judges once again. Judges chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 6 through 10. Judges chapter 2, 6 through 10. Good to have some visitors with us, some from near, some far away. So welcome, glad glad to have you with us. Uh, Judges 2, I've got a picture, two pictures from, let me get the name right, Elena. This is from Elena, Frank and Bonnie's granddaughter, right? Got the name right. This is Elena from last week that drew this. And there's some other good ones back there as well. They're on the back uh, near the mailboxes. And uh, she's got the angel of the Lord. Last week we were looking at the angel of the Lord coming up from Gilgal to Bokim, that place of weeping. And then on the next, I think this was on the back side, she caught it. They're weeping. They're weeping at Bokim because God said, you've not driven out. Therefore, I'm not, you've, you've not obeyed fully. I'm, I'm not going to drive out the Canaanites before you. We, we talked about that weeping that was taking place there. And so we're moving on um, in chapter 2 just to look at a few verses really today, cha- uh, verses 6 through 10 as we look at this book. So let's, let's look into God's Word and, and read from Him first here. When Joshua dismissed the people... The people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnat Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Let's pray once again. Father, again, just praying that you would bless our time together in your word. So thankful for what we, we get to study. All of your word, Lord. The gems that are there. The promises that are there. What we've just spent the morning singing about. The greatest work ever. That you would demonstrate your love for sinners. By taking on our curse that we deserved upon a cross. And dying in our place that we might believe on you and have righteousness forever and that you might intercede for us forever that we can come to you lord we thank you for that great work and i pray lord that you would guide us as we study this passage even in relation to that that you would tie this together um, to see what great work we have to proclaim to the coming generations we pray this guide our time by your spirit in your name, amen. Well, this, today, this time is a unique portion in, in our particular, as a church, our particular weekend as a church. We just finished up, if you didn't get the hint here, 
We just finished up a marriage retreat, the Art of Marriage weekend event that started Friday night and ended yesterday afternoon. In place of some of these chairs, there were some 14 couples at various times learning about how to work on their, on their own marriages. Um, we looked at God's purposes in marriage and the isolation of, of sin. Um, we looked in, in the morning. We looked at the roles of men and women, how to deal with conflict, and that even before Hollywood, God's ideas for sex were there. Before Hollywood ever took it over, that wasn't their idea, it was God's. Um, and then thinking of the legacy um, that would come after them. And so it was a good time. And here we are on this Sunday, and tomorrow, and I understand that's why some of you are here, tomorrow we're going to mourn a woman full of years, Carol Redlinger, married some 53 years to her husband, Don. And so there's a generation passing away. And so here we are, right now, in the middle of this weekend, marriage marriage event, sermon, we're worshiping today, funeral tomorrow. And lo and behold, it's, it's Valentine's Day today. Um, I think in some ways God is, is shouting to us this weekend in a good way with these bookends and these things going on. I think he's shouting for us to consider your life. Consider it. Consider where you're at and then consider where you're going to be. So here we find ourselves in, of all places, Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. And I think we're not here by accident. I think God providentially, however He, as I plan out and look at things here, here we are. And I, I know I wanted to get here for this day on this marriage retreat, but it's providential that here we are because we're in a passage dealing with worship and dealing with death and dealing with the next generation. So let's see what God has for us as we just think through this passage. So come with me, come into the text, find verse 6 again. Let's, let's review it and see it once again. It says, when, when Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. That's not surprising to us. We've already kind of been talking about that. I'll get to that in a minute. But in some ways, what I think is going on here because we already read at the beginning, the verse 1 of this book, Joshua died. And now we're back to, wait a second, now he's dismissing people. Did he come back to life? No. He's, I think what's happening is there's kind of a restart to this book. Um, if you've ever read Genesis chapter 1, hopefully you have. If you haven't, good, good read. Read that. And uh, Genesis 1, you get to chapter 2 and just into the beginning of chapter 2. And you're all in the creation and the seventh day. And then it kind of just restarts again. And that can kind of be weird. We're going, well, how does that chronologically work? And if you remember, Old Testament books are not written just, to, you know, A to B to all this going along. Um, but there's kind of a restart in that book where now it focuses back in Genesis 2, particularly on Adam and Eve and the story going on from there into Genesis 3 and so forth. I think in some ways that's what's going on right here in Judges. There's kind of this, this restarting. One commentary put it this way, kind of the beginning, all of up to this point is maybe historical background, and now it's a literary, kind of joining the literary background. But let me explain that a bit. In essence, 
what's going on from verse 6 and the rest of the book is kind of saying, here's where this rest of the book is going. And if you read along with me, you've got a hand, and you know this book, and you know where it's going, but it's kind of, it's a, it's a background of sorts, what we're going to see, kind of an overview of what is yet to come in the rest of the book. But the restart actually takes us back here, even in some of the, the verses that are, that are listed here, takes us back to Joshua chapter 24. So I want to connect this because where Joshua dismissed the people, we actually find it in Joshua 24. So just turn back. It's not far. Just turn to the left a couple pages even. Maybe it's just one or two pages for you. Back into Joshua chapter 24. And we're just going to look at verse 14. I'm going to, I'm going to read it because I think it sets the stage and because this is God's Word. And so it's good for us to hear kind of what was this, this present generation, what was going on um, in them. And so I want to read it again and, and give us uh, a little bit of context uh, and even contrast of where we're at uh, really at the end of our passage today. So look at Joshua 24. I'll just start in verse 14. Joshua's addressing, he's saying to the people here, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you. And after having done you good, after having done you good, and the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God, we will serve, and His voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that He spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So, and now here's the tie, so Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Now I'm just going to read a couple more verses because they'll come up. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, that doesn't mean he was the son of nobody. That's not that N-O-N-E, not Nun. I think it's really pronounced Noon. So he's Joshua, the son of Noon. 
put it that way. The servant of the Lord, he died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Okay, so that's some of the background, and you see some of the tie-in of where we're at in this chapter 2 in these verses here in Judges. And if we go back to verse 6 in Judges, we find the same language. Joshua dismissing the people, the people heading out to their inheritance. And for the last few weeks, we've been, we've been looking at some of that going out into their inheritance. There were some victories along the way, but there were some, some uh, compromises along the way as well. They didn't fully drive out the Canaanites here because they had iron chariots. They didn't fully hear, or they put them to forced labor, or they lived among them. And you see this kind of going on and on, this compromise. But verse 7 gives us sort of the the rest of the story. So look back at Judges 2, now look at verse 7. There it says, And the people served the Lord all the days, just what we read in Judges 24, all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Here it would seem that presently this people, they are serving the Lord. Or I think another word could be worship. Maybe your translation says they worshiped. Served, they worshiped the Lord. And that's their found worshiping Yahweh. They served Him in the days of Joshua and then the elders who outlived Him. And again, like I said, we see Joshua 24 echoed here. But if you're really astute, there's an extra word here. It's pretty interesting. If you look at verse 7, The extra word is those who had seen all the great work. The word's added, all the great work is here. Didn't see that in Joshua 24. One commentator points this out. He says this, The addition of that great work is significant. For the apostasy, or that's a big word to say, the falling away, the apostasy of the period of the judges is all the more reprehensible when set against the great work of the Lord. Great privileges do involve great responsibilities. So these people, they had seen the work of the Lord, and and the writer points this out. It's great work that they saw. And then we see them in later years and what happens. And I think at the same time, along with that great work is a great obligation. More than once, if you read through Deuteronomy, you see this line in there that says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. There's a couple places in Deuteronomy. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God. And so as as Israel comes into this promised land, talks about this in Deuteronomy, life is at ease or good houses, they're built, herds and flocks, they multiply, gold is multiplied. These are prime instances where one might begin to forget the Lord. You parallel that even to our day where we're just, we're, we're just set and, and as soon as we're comfortable, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot I was praying before for the Lord to work in this forgetfulness takes place 
And I believe as Israel settled into that land, it was all too easy to begin to not remember. But we see in Deuteronomy, I think, a principle that's applied here even in our passage in Judges uh, to, to Israel. It's the principle of passing on the works of the Lord to the next generation. The works of the Lord are known by the next generation. These people lived. They saw God's great work and deeds. They knew of the Lord. They knew of His commandments and what He had spoken to them. They had an obligation to pass that on to the next generation of what they knew. Responsible, if you will, to make known to the next generation the works of the Lord. But look back at verses now 8 through 9, and we come to a generation that's fading. More than one way it's described here. Verses 8 through 9. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun, try to pronounce it right, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years, and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath, Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. I'm not getting into today where that is. You can find it on a map and search that out of just where all this is. But what's interesting to me is in this book, I believe it's four times before this mention of Joshua, his name is just mentioned. It's just, it's Joshua. Verse 1 of Judges, after the death of Joshua, it's in there. But here in verse 8, there's his full name if, if, in a biblical sense, if you will. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord. It's not just Joshua. It's, hey, remember, he's the son of Nun, that servant of the Lord. I think the author is revealing something here. He's saying Joshua, this servant of the Lord. He was called upon, be strong and courageous. Don't veer off from the law. And Joshua finished the race. He was a servant of the Lord. But last, this servant dies dies at 110 he's buried and the first part of verse 10 then says and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers do you hear this theme throughout verse 8 9 and into 10 death burial gathered it's an end to this generation Joshua had served the Lord. The generation after him had served the Lord. But then we get to the second part of verse 10, and I think the, I think the climax of this, of this section. So look at that verse 10. I'll just read the whole verse again. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. Generation arose who did not know the Lord. Can you imagine this? In the, in the people of Israel, again, we, we look at out of all the people, all the nations, this is a people that God worked in so many ways. The, 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 even I'm just reading through uh, Joseph and the way he brought Israel out of the famine in Egypt and then the way that 40 years later when the, the slavery had brought them back out the crossing of the Red Sea through the wilderness, feeding them manna, all this provision, and then into the land and the 31 kings and all this conquest that they made in this land. That's the God. And all of a sudden, there's a generation that does not know Him. They don't know His works. 
Here's what one commentator, he reasons this, Dale Davis, I've mentioned him before. He says, it was not that they did not know about Yahweh, but they did not know Yahweh. He explains it this way, they did not acknowledge Yahweh. Yahweh and his works didn't matter to them, had no influence over them. Perhaps this commentator is right. Perhaps this generation, they knew of God. They just didn't know God. Perhaps the, the, the previous generation passed on a, a knowledge of God, a study of Him, but this generation did not know Him fully. Maybe they failed to take it to heart. But the second part of what the generation did not know, it says a generation after them who did not know the Lord and implied is and who did not know the work that he had done for Israel. It gives me an impression that for Israel here, the previous generation failed to pass on the works of the Lord to the next generation. Something was missing in this transfer of generational uh, works and knowledge of the Lord. So really then, as I've got this commentator saying, well, they knew, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this, and the question really is then, well, who's responsible for verse 10? Who's responsible for this generation that didn't know the Lord and didn't know the works of the Lord? And like a good pastor, I'll just say, it, both of them are responsible. The past generation and the current generation. Let me explain that. So one is looking at, is it, is it the previous generation? Did they fail to pass on the knowledge? Or is it just this new generation? They knew about God. They had passed it on. They just didn't embrace Him as their God. And I think, I think it, would, it can be both. Both are responsible. We as elders, I as a, as a pastor, as parents, as a generation, we must pass on and teach the next generation of the Lord. This is not a maybe type thing. It's all throughout Scripture to teach and to pass on these things to the next generation. But at the same time, that particular generation, they must embrace the faith for themselves. They can't live off the faith. I think one commentary talked about living off the faith of heroes of old. Can't live off that faith. It's there. It's got to be theirs. My father is a godly man, and my, my mom is a godly woman. And I've been, I've been influenced by them, but I can't, I can't just go today, well, I've got, I got a godly mom and dad, so I'm, I'm good. It's, I can't live off their faith. It, it's mine. And, and really, I can't even live off my own faith of yesterday or last year to say, yeah, I was trusting Christ last year. I did pretty good. There was some ministry I did. I served some people about a year ago. I'm good. It's, it's today. I must be faithful. So I can't put it on, you know, generation. It's, am I faithful to the Lord today? In the weeks to come, as we look further in Judges, we're going to see, lo and behold, right? We're not surprised the turning away of this next generation, the abandonment of the Lord. It feels pretty quick. It doesn't take long. But I want to speak again to the, these two groups just this morning that 
that I'm saying in our text? Who's, how do we deal with the next generation? Just think about that a little bit with the two groups. One is the previous generation who had known, they knew the Lord, they saw His works. What's the responsibility there? What does that look like? And then what about the, the now, the generation now? Those couple things. So number one is for you who know God. You who know I don't just mean you know stories of God. You know the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a calling to pass that on to the next generation, to teach them. Here, I'm, I feel like I'm generally speaking to an age group, but it, that's a hard category. I'm not, I, I, would, I think those of you that are, you're mature in Christ, you've known him for some time, there's a maturity in you. There's a calling here. Psalm 78 is a, is a great call regarding the deeds of the Lord and, and what we're to do. It says this in part. It says, we will not hide them from their children. This is the deeds of the Lord. We won't hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. And the purpose, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And so in this call to pass on the faith, we need to remember a few things. Not an exhaustive list, but just thinking, here's a few things to remember. One is passing on to the next generation must be intentional and purposeful. Our, our faith in Christ must be real and authentic to pass it on, but as wayward as we can sometimes be, we need to purposely do it, intentionally teach and think about it not just i hope it happens we trust that our lives we'll talk about that but that we purposefully teach and pass on the things of the lord the work that he has done what we've seen what we've sang about to the next generation but number two it's more than mere knowledge of facts the call is not just to teach our kids i think brandon probably touched on this weeks ago right not just to teach our kids the stories, and to know the books of the Bible. We must teach that. I'm, don't hear me saying, wait, we don't need to know. We need to know those things. But it's not mere knowledge of facts. We must live it out ourselves. When we walk, I mean, outside of teaching, when I'm outside of teaching to you the Word, when we walk, when we go through hardship and persecution, and trial, we're teaching. And we're teaching the next generation. And what are we teaching them? Man, I, I, I thought they trusted in the Lord. They sure don't look like it. They look like when something happens, it just, I'm all frazzled. There, there's teaching going on in all these places, more than a knowledge of facts, even though it is that as well. Number three, to pass on this faith to the next generation, it's no guarantee. 
there are many of you that know this far more than I do. It's no guarantee. Just passing on the knowledge of God is no guarantee that the heart of the next generation will follow the Lord. We can't, we can't make the next generation actually know the Lord. We, we can demonstrate what it means to know God as opposed to knowing about God, but ultimately, and I think we can rest in this, ultimately God must do a supernatural work in that heart of the next generation. And we can rest in Him. Our task, though there be no guarantee, our task is simply faithfulness. Lord, this is the task you've given me. I, I have no idea the outcome, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be faithful. Number four, like I said, it's about today. It's about today. Some of you may look back on your life perhaps feeling like I am too old to make a difference for the next generation. My years of that have passed. They have not. I feel I've already failed or it's too late even with my kids. Maybe they're grown up. It's never too late to confess and move forward in faithfulness. We're, we, you and me, you individually, we're responsible before God for what we do today. And we can, we can lean on God for the failures of yesterday, failures of tomorrow, failures of way back whenever. Confess, Lord, I've not been faithful. I messed up here and receive His forgiveness. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ that carries us through this. The question for you is how are you using the days, the days, however long your days have been or however short, how are you using the days God has given you? We do not know our days, do we? That's part of this weekend. We don't know. We have February 14th today. May we use them to pass that on, to be faithful with the next generation. And, and I don't think, I just want to preface, I don't think the call here is just, well, that's a good, that's a good idea for parents. I hope they're passing on to the next generation because I'm not or my kids are out of the house or I don't have kids or I'm not married, whatever. It's, it's all of us to pass on to the next generation, to tell of him. And so, five, it's, it's about thinking beyond today. It is today being faithful and thinking beyond. During our marriage event, Al Mohler said this. I just wanted to quote it again. He said, You are an ancestor to someone yet to come. It will, you will affect that next generation just as my parents have affected me, my grandparents have, my great-grandparents. You are an ancestor to someone yet to come. Al Mohler says, If you live your life knowing you are an ancestor that will change the way you make your decisions, the way you live your life, and from the perspective of marriage, the way you love your wife. The life we live today will affect the next generation. That's why our marriage is important. Our kids, in that context, they are watching and they're seeing. And it's a parable of Christ and the church, and they're looking at that. And they're looking at that image, and they're looking at our lives we're teaching, whether we're, we've got a Bible open or we're walking down the road, we're teaching. It's thinking about beyond today. And then somewhat briefly, what about the generation? That's, we're responsible to pass on. What about the generation of 
that must, that particular generation that must embrace the Lord as their God. And here I want to speak to you who are younger in the faith. Maybe even younger in age. I don't know how young you are, but to the kids in the room and young adults and young in the faith, my call to you guys is to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would grab hold of them. That what your mom and your dad, what they're teaching you, is, becomes your own. You say, I'm going to own this for myself. This is, I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to get to know Him through His Word, and I'm going to live for Him. I want to challenge you, kids. You can do this at age 4 and 5 and 10 and 15 and 20, however young you are in the faith. Deuteronomy 4.9 would say to the current generation, keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Right now, for you kids or young in the faith, you're in a church setting. You're learning about God. Many of you are drawing and you're hearing this. You're in Sunday school. You're hearing the stories of Noah and the ark and David and Goliath and all these different stories that are going on. And again, my call is for kids who are in this place. Know your God. Get to know the Lord. Don't think I'm too young to do that. Be a generation that would rise up when all of us with gray hair are gone. And Some of you don't have gray hair. But when we're gone, kids, that you would rise up that Bethany would continue to be a place where God's Word is held and valued. You guys would be leaders of another generation that would love the Lord with all your heart and seek to serve Him and worship, that you would not forget the works of the Lord. We've got a task, generation older, to pass that on, to live it and pass it, and generation to come embrace the Savior. So this weekend, we're between marriage retreat and a funeral of a godly woman who loved the Lord. And it's a weekend and it's a time to consider each one of you a lasting legacy. I'm not even talking about our our country these days or our culture, any of that. I'm just talking individually to each one of you because it's for you to evaluate where you're at. What generation will you be? Who will, you individu- who will you serve? Who will you trust in? And what will you pass on to the next generation? Let's pray together. Lord, your word in Psalm 89 says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known to all generations. Lord, would you grant that for us here at Bethany and and our visitors with us today, that in Christ, Lord, our mouths and our lives and who we are may speak of the greatest work ever done, the gospel of our Savior, the work that He has done in us, And may we pass this on. Lord, not out of just checking a box and completing a task, but because we say there is no other 
there is no other hope in this world that the next generation would love you. That would not be said here at Bethany, a, a generation grew up who, who never knew the Lord or they just went through the motions. They knew of Him. They did the same things. They did the pattern and they knew not their Lord. And I pray for the young ones of faith and young ones in this church so thankful they are here with us. Help us. Help the parents that are seeking to raise them that are they're saying, I want to be intentional. I want to raise and we have failures and we, and we drop the ball so many times. Lord, we thank you for your gospel that forgives guide us to keep moving forward daily to impart to the next generation who you are. May we all embrace you as our Lord and Savior. May we not waste the days you have given us to proclaim your name. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.